This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus reward registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Well, welcome to episode 29 of the Forever Bristol City podcast. We're actually doing it on a recorded basis for the first time in a very long time. In fact, I think the first time ever. And joining me in our virtual studio this evening are Ian. Good evening, Ian. Evening, Dave. Uh, Greenan, a.k.a. Mark. Good evening, Good evening Dave. It's, no, it's nice not to be able to watch the England game, so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even, I'd forgotten it was on. And then Dave Fevs, Mr. Analytica. Is that another uh, good good phrase to give you, uh, Dave? And I'm a headhunter. Uh, I'm a headhunter. Uh, cr- cringy, Dave. Uh, yeah, All right, we won't do that. I know you didn't want me to call you anything, the professor or anything like that. Okay, so I'm a headhunter. Don't, call them, don't okay. call them Cambridge Analytica, will you? No, 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 that's very true. That's very true. Now, I was going to call tonight's episode Cookie Repeat. And why was that? Because on Monday night, I sat down with my good lady and we watched Nigella's series. And I tried chili flakes this evening on some lovely tuna, courtesy of a certain uh, Mr. Uh, Tony Wilkins, who delivered it about uh, X number of weeks ago. And it was very lovely. Any of you guys ever tried chili flakes or chili oil on your food? Or not really? No, but I no, do like listening to Nigella food, describe yeah. food. Yes, yes. No, yeah, I was talking that, about chili that, flakes. What about you, Dave? Probably, chili flakes? Pro- probably just means you're kinky, Mark. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> let's keep it. Look, just <laughs> no, because it's not live. Just because Pisces. it's not live. Yeah. Anyway, so I had those chili flakes this evening. And my... Did I put too much on? So my lips are zinging at the moment, but uh, but there we go. <laughs> um, what are we going to talk about this evening? It seems a long time without a game of football. Um, Wayne Rooney's Derby County, WRDC. Uh, they're allegedly rolling up at Ashton Gate at three o'clock on uh, Saturday afternoon. Um, Mark, uh, Mark, Dave, um, any thoughts on Derby? What can we expect? Or is that a little bit up in the air under the new... Uh, leadership, because Rune is joined by Shea Given and our ex-player who was allowed to leave. Don't know how that happened. That's another story. Liam Rosinia. But Dave, thoughts on Derby County? Yeah, I guess it's a really difficult one to tell. I, I started to do all my preview and then thought, is Koku still going to be in charge? And I kind of made the mistake with the Barnsley game early in the season when Struber um, left. And I, you know, thinking... I could put a lot of effort into this and it will be all over the place. And uh, so, I, so I stopped. And about Saturday afternoon, I thought, oh, I better start doing this again. And lo and behold, Koku then got, got fired. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a unknown at the moment. You know, I've heard two things today. Rooney will be starting. And then I've heard, no, he won't be starting. So read into that what you what you like. But what we do know is they're, they're bottom of the league. They've yeah. only won one game this season. And they've scored five goals, of which... I would say only one of them I'd class as being from open play. Three uh, three kicks they've had and one that they scored from a rebound from a free kick. So uh, and the person who did score their open play goal is now at Sheffield Wednesday. So uh, there you go. Read into that what you like. And which one? Who was that that was at, uh, who's gone to Sheffield Wednesday? Uh, Jack, Jack, Jack Marriott. Oh, Marriott's gone, yeah, because the other goals I've seen them score, well, to, to say other goals, not that many to choose from. I think that Waghorn's banged in a couple, hasn't he? Yeah, he has two, two from him and then also one from Rooney and then Shinny scored from a, yeah. I think it was a Rooney shot that was that was blocked and it kind of bobbled around a penalty area and he stuck it in. So, yeah, they've not yeah. been free-flowing. 
I was talking to a Derby County friend of mine who said they're really uh, ruining the departure of uh, of Chris Martin. But he said uh, he said Tom Lawrence, who's been a threat in the past, he has one good game in six. So let's hope that uh, that's not uh, against us. I mean, Ian, uh, managerial bounce. This is a bit of an unusual one. Somebody of uh, Wayne Rooney's stature coming in, probably only temporarily, in view of the fact that there's. Uh, Big ownership changes uh, taking place up at uh, up at their uh, up at their ground. But uh, Rooney Banks, do you think? We honestly don't know. I mean, there's two reasons we don't know. Um, one, it's difficult to predict what Derby will do, but it's virtually impossible to predict what we'll do until we know what the team is. Yeah. Um, because at the moment, um, we've just had an update that Calamo Dowder was ruled out of the um, Ireland team because of injury. Um, he's uh, reported as having a dead leg. Now, you know, that can be something that lasts a week or something that lasts a couple of days. So <clears throat> we won't know if he's available. But if you add that to the players that we know or we definitely know won't be available, so that's setting on Molson, Baker and Wyman, they're definitely not available. And then we come to the ones that weren't available for the Cardiff game, but were supposedly coming back after the international break, to quote a phrase. And that was Walsh, Williams, Jiju and Backinson. So I don't think we'll know if we can have a 20-man squad or what the team is until we know uh, what the effect of this um, COVID uh, in, in infection has been. Because... Apparently, they've all been tested today and the training ground reopens tomorrow. So I, I don't expect to see much information, if any, coming out of there. But the last information that uh, has come out from either the club or Bristol Live reporter, Gregor McGregor, is that the, the game is, is definitely going ahead. So... Well, you know, it's a question of we'll have to well, wait we'll and know, see we'll what, probably what know the team is. Friday morning, I would think. I mean, Mark, managerial, managerial banks. Rooney's not exactly made much of an impact, uh, had much of an impact the whole time he's been there, really, has he? And you always felt he was sort of like a manager in waiting, but the landscape's changed because of this uh, intended change of ownership. What are your thoughts on the game going ahead, Mark? And indeed, you know, the disruption, the training ground not being open until tomorrow. So less than 48 hours to re repair. Yeah, it's not ideal. Uh, going back to Rooney, you think he's he's sort of seen out his career with a, with a nice big big, uh, big wage, really, isn't he? I mean, the Bet365 were, uh, were on that, one of the gambling companies last year, playing the... Uh, the, the majority of the majority of that, but yeah, like Ian says, we just won't know what's going to happen until we get the results of these tests. And from having a bit of momentum uh, again uh, before the international break with two with two good good away wins, we just didn't which we didn't see coming. But uh, you know, after the Huddersfield game and then a very competent uh, defensive display against Cardiff, we we knew that we could play better, and that that gave us you know that gave us a lift. But going yeah. to Derby, I got some information from a guy called Tyler Taft. Taft, funny surname. My sister's given me, runs a, a YouTube channel for Derby County, and he thinks I'll play 4-2-3-1 uh, this Saturday with Waghorn up front. Uh, and he think, doesn't think Rooney is start. They, his YouTube, latest YouTube upload says they reckon John Terry is 4-1 to one favourite for the role. Odds have really shortened on him. And that's so even that's allowing an for uh, mega rich owners. That's uh, that's interesting. Well, Dave, Dave, Dave yeah. Perth, you've, just, you've just said, Dave, that he, the uh, uh, on text, the press conference is Friday. We'll know a lot more by then. I mean, this international break, you know, it, it it's I, I haven't sat down. I did it maybe 18 months ago, but we always seem to come back from international breaks and take time to get going. And at one stage, it looked like the international break couldn't come soon enough, but we've won those two games in a row, uh, which has put us back there. I mean, did you know, Dave, I didn't until I read it, that this is the fourth time in the last five years we've had uh, 20 points from 11 games? I did, I did see that. I was, I was slightly surprised. I, I know we've generally got off to pretty decent starts, um, but I didn't, you know, it's, it's quite uncanny that it's 20 after 11 in, in each of those seasons. 
pretty good, isn't it? It's, it's very good, but then if you look at all the seasons in question, it's then saying that in the remaining 35 matches, we've averaged another, what have our points totals been? 65, 68, 69, yeah. something like that. Yeah. You know, it's gone rank, hasn't it, from the second half of every uh, season. But we've done that. We've done that to we've done that uh, to death. I mean, it came out this week, uh, Dave, and I know Ian's raised it. I'll come on to him next. That uh, the EFL have allowed nine subs, and you can now use five. Is that decision being taken in view of the number of uh, injuries that uh, teams are suffering? Yes, I, I think it has to. Yeah, I, I, that would make sense to me. For me, I, I'm surprised that they made it nine subs. I thought it was just easier to say you can still pick an 18-man squad, but you can put five on the pitch. I, I, I would think that would be a fairer way of doing it. I don't see why you need 20 players. It just seems a bit excessive to me. And you can use five. So can you imagine what it's going to be like with a Neil Warnock or some of the other uh, shithousery teams, excluding ourselves, of course, you know, wanting to slow the game down? I mean, most matches, if all five are being used, they're going to finish, if it's a three o'clock kickoff, after five at this rate, you know, if there's 10 individual substitutions. I mean, Dave, is it, did I read somewhere that the, they're only allowed to make substitutions at certain times in the game? Or I think, how does that no, work? No, I think certainly pre or last season when they when they brought it in, you were allowed to make three lots of substitutions. So you weren't allowed to make five individual substitutions. You had to make, you know, two, two, one or two, three, you know, make them in combinations, but only make three sets of substitutions during during the game. So if you did two at half time, yeah, yeah. and then you did you could do another three. So and I'm just trying to do the maths because could you get to a situation where you've done your three substitutions and then a player breaks a leg and then you have to make yeah, it if, a fourth substitution yeah. or would you then go down to 10 men? Yeah, you'd have to go down to 10 men. So if you made one substitution, then another substitution and another substitution, all those individual events, then that's your sub gone. You could only use three. Yeah, but if you did, yeah, one substitution followed by two substitutions followed by two. That's that's fine. That, that's that, how that was the rules to say last season. I would I would imagine it's the same again this season, and purely for that reason for not wasting time in you know the latter stages of game by every every time the ball goes dead, making another individual substitution. But yeah, we'll see. We'll get some clarification on that, I guess. Yeah, we should. Well, you raised you you raised this point, Ian, and you said, "Never mind having nine subs. Have we got enough to fill the bench?" And I saw today it was at Fraser. Was it um, Freddie Hines? Somebody else came back. I don't know if that was related to that, but you know, are we going to be able to populate the bench on the Saturday? Ian, if the if the game goes ahead. Well, if you look at uh, the game at Cardiff, we had uh, Riley Taylor and Opie Edwards on the bench, and they've never started a league game. In fact, I don't think they've even come on as a sub in a league game. Mm, um, so that would say, no, we can't, unless we get the play, unless we get Walsh, Williams, Gigi and Backinson back fit, in, in which case we just about can. But what you have to remember is our squad, of, which is now 29 with the signing of uh, Adrian Mariapa of, yeah. of that 29 you've straight away you've got three goalkeepers so that yeah. takes it down to 26 yeah then you've got three players out on loan that's 23 um, three long-term takes, injuries plus the two that we wonder well, whether got, they're going to get if they're sick beds and come back yeah so you're well you've got you? you've got four long-term injuries You've got Sessignon, Mawson, Baker, and Vinyl. Yeah, yeah. So you're Sorry not four. you're not probably not going to see any of them until I would say January at the earliest. Yeah. So you've you've got to say, well, that's those four out now. One of the players we've got out on loan, Marley Watkins, is long term injured. He's going to be out for another two months at least. God. Yeah. Um. So there, there's not. Um, you know, if we get these four back, I think we'll be okay. Um, <clears throat> if we get two out of the four back, it will be better than nothing. Yeah. If we get um, the other two back, then great. But bear in mind that Walsh and Williams haven't kicked a ball in anger for months. 
Well, neither is Mariapa for that matter. So, I mean, you know, we say this is a bit like Groundhog Day, Walsh and Williams. When are they coming back? When are they coming back? I mean, let's let's wait and see. As Dave says, press conferences on Friday. Yeah. Um, Mark, I'll, I'll come to you. I mean, do you think Mariapa's going to be match fit? This is he, is he fit? You think it was you fit? You think it was unlikely? I mean, he's he's thirty four years old. He, um, I mean, he, he, he was released by Watford at the end of last season. Played a lot of Premiership games, but they let his contract run out. But no, you, you, you can't expect him to be fit, even if he's got a personal trainer. He hasn't. He won't be match fit. He might be yeah. uh, able to play a certain number of minutes. Yeah. Um, but no, there's no way he can be. He can be match so, fit. He can so, only so one, matches. Yeah. So one question on that. Um, he was picked out of the Jamaica squad. He was going away to play international football with Jamaica. Now, so one would assume that he has to be reasonably fit uh, to be able to go to that squad, because as far as I know, they've got games. It wasn't just a training camp. So you'd really wonder um, what his level of fitness is. Obviously, they're not going to play him uh, until he's fit. But I think particularly with this nine subs rule, they could have him on the bench and he'd, he'd be very, very happy to start with. He'd be very, very handy to play, you know, the last 20 minutes of games in the same way that um, until recently, Chris Brunt was quite effective. I don't think he's been as effective recently, um, but he was quite effective <sighs> coming on just yeah. to hang on to the ball for the last for the last 20 minutes of games. And um, the reports I've had from Watford about Mariapa is, Good player. He's only five foot eleven, so he's not the biggest centre back you've ever seen in your life. But apparently, he's got a hell of a leap on him. And but the, one of the guys said he was prone um, to making errors, but he, when he was in the Premier League. But obviously, yeah. well, fit him well here, then, won't he? <laughs> the, sta- well, the standards. The, the, well, this is Championship standard, and we can kid ourselves all day long that. You know, we've got players who could play in the Premier League week in, week out. But my own view of the world is that I actually doubt that very much. I don't think anyone yeah. could. Yeah. yeah, I think as a group of fans, Ian, we're, we can be a bit snobby about um, players from the Premier League and, oh, they're not good enough for us. And, I, you know, let's let's wait and see on Mariapa. But based on, you know, I, I haven't seen him tons over the years, but I've seen him enough to know he's a, a very reliable defender. Certainly, I think he's a championship, uh, championship level. He should be absolutely fine yeah. once he's fit. Yeah. Let's see how fit he is. As he's, you say, he got called up. He got called up by Jamaica, didn't he? So you, you think yeah, he and he got he was recommended to, to us by Bobby Reid, wasn't he? Well, I don't. I think he just had a chat with Bobby Reid. I think I, I, I would imagine the wheels were already in motion, and he, he's thinking, yeah. "Who do I know at Bristol City?" I'm he's same, he's same probably time. not as good as a fit Alfie Mawson. Oh God, no, he's no. on the par maybe with the Benkovic, and dare I say it, even uh, Nathan Baker. You know, did have Premiership matches before he came here. Um, I'll come back to you now uh, again, Dave. I mean, look, four matches. We got was it eleven matches in twenty nine days, but we got four matches, which will take us to the pretty much a third way through the season. So I was doing this on three games. But the next four are Derby home, Watford home, um, Reading away, who've blown up, and then I think it's QPR away. If we look at those four matches, right, six from four matches, six points from four matches, yeah, that does that that sort of feels to me that would put us on 26, multiply that by three, that's playoff form. That Would you be happy with six from the next four? Yeah, I think so. I think you know we've got every game in the championship is difficult. Like, you know, I'm boring because I keep say, saying it, and I, every point you get is a good point in the championship. But I think we just got to go out there and aim to get as many points as we can as quickly as we can and of keep course. us in there. You know, I'm not I'm not a great one for predicting points. You know, I leave that to Ian, and then he can gloat about it. After not this. doing individual predictions. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Ian, I'll come to you then. I mean, I was going to say four. Four points from the next four points from the next three, but I'm saying six from the next four. Ian, does that sound a reasonable return? Which would put us on 26, pretty much one third, 15 games. That would put us on 26 after 15. Would you say that's realistic? The next uh, four games coming up. Uh, who's the fourth game? I got Derby Watford. QPR. It's QPR. QPR away. Okay. QPR. Away. Well, if if you looked at it and I was doing predictions, I'd say. Uh, 
depending on what, what players we've got available, you've got to keep putting that caveat on. But I'd say beat Derby, probably lose to Watford, uh, point with Reading and beat QPR. Um, yeah, so that would be that's seven. Five. Seven. No, that's, seven. That's seven. seven. Two, two okay. wins and a draw. Now, yeah. you don't really know until you know who we've got available and fit, particularly the, the lads that have been away on international duty. Now, I know Callas was an unused sub for the Czech Republic in the first game. Um, but I think with with where we are now, we're averaging um, 1.8 points. Mm. And if, if you take our average over a season, that would get us in the top position in the playoffs normally, about 84 points. Yeah. So you've got to be, you've got to be happy with that. Um, averaging 1.8 from four games takes us to 7.2. So if you said yes. seven, seven would be, I think, a very good return. Um, yeah. On what I've on what I've seen, um, it'd be interesting to see whether um, Dean Holden maintains the back four. I thought we looked better defensively with a flat back four against Cardiff. Yeah. Um, and and what he does about the midfield in front of him, particularly when Williams and Walsh are back, which is which has to help. So. Well. <laughs> you know, we'll, ju- we'll just ha- we'll just have to see. Um, we'll just have to see what the team is, what the formation is, and he might have Hobson's choice uh, in the yeah. sense that you know, if he's if you've only got sixteen first team players available, then there's only certain uh, permutations that that you can use. But I mean, yeah. hopefully, all four will be back and be available um, to play against Derby. Well, it'll be good. It'll be good to get back amongst the action, and let's hope that COVID doesn't affect us, and maybe it doesn't affect some of the other teams as well, because we don't want a disrupted season. Now, the spectre of uh, Wayne Rooney coming as uh, player manager, probably just for the one game, maybe the, the, the spectre of Wayne Rooney coming across. Which was um, we were looking at other people that have had the uh, player manager mantle and I said about Osman and Tins but as uh, Dave Fevs reminded me there's also Terry Cooper and uh, Joe Jordan now all four of them have had mixed success I mean I'll come to you first Dave any abiding memory of uh, Terry Cooper uh, in his time that's making you uh, stretch back a long uh, a long time what's your abiding Cooper memory um, I guess short short trousers, um, and I think it's got to be the FA Cup game uh, at Eastfield against Rovers. When I think we were, I think we were one 0 down. Might have been Archie Stevens who, who scored for them. Um, I, I wasn't there, but, but by the way, um, and Cooper came on a sub quite late, quite late in the second half, and kind of just used his wily old experience, got the ball, and uh, we ended up I think winning two one. And that was the was it the Martin Hurst goal? Was it that, that clinched it? That was yeah. when Martin Hurst, Martin yeah. Hurst, but, got the winner in that game. What he was a graduate. Yeah, as yeah well. he was a part. Yeah. He was a part-time player as a student. I think at Bath Uni or something like that. Um, yeah. Who so turned, that, that turned out memory. for us? Those were the days. That was my memory. I don't think. So I don't think. Your, I don't think he had much um, a player management experience. I think he kind of stopped playing quite soon. After he got he did. the job, didn't he? So it wasn't a long range player. Yeah, management. your abiding memory of uh, Mr. Cooper, uh, Mark. Well, I was lucky. In, I, I, I was I was lucky enough to interview him um, for. Uh, I, f- I think I did some for the Evening Post uh, online a few years ago. I mean, I'm growing up with him. It, it, it was uh, my body memory of him is being sat on somebody's shoulders at Chester in the stand, and suddenly walked him up to the edge of the stand, and uh, he was he was shitting himself because if they thought it was going to dro- he thought it was going to be dropped over the edge. After we beat uh, Chester at Sealand Road to uh, get promoted right. in, uh, in May '84, yeah, I think with Trevor uh, Trevor Morgan scoring the winner. That's that's it. Big days. Trev, big Trev. He told he told me what he some of the things he had to do in this interview. Um, go going to buy frozen meals. I think he lived out at Nailsea. so he went in the local Frank's supermarket. Born. Born he lived, yeah. That's right, Flaxbourne. So he he bought bought frozen meals so they could they could make them up on the microwave on the way to matches, and it was a game at Doncaster, I think we talked about, where he was able to have a chat after the game with, with Billy Bremner, who was managing 
at Doncaster then, you know, have a glass of wine, and it was just fish and chips on the way home, because that's all they could afford in those days, they were in hand to mouth. But I particularly, I particularly remember a, a football focus where they concentrated on Terry, because at one time, he wasn't just player and manager of City, he was also director. He was, yeah. So they, right. Yeah. So they had him. Uh, they had him talking to himself, you know, in several different guises. But you, you can't have many. That, that you can't have many instances of that. That's got to be utterly unique. Yeah. But he yeah. was. A, he was a lovely guy, and he, he was, was Mister Bristol City. He was back in those dark. He was dark so. Days. He was very, very much loved, and I think when he was sacked, and they brought in, they brought in Jordan. Uh, yeah. In about March 1988, it was a very sad day for City, it but his time had come, and he he brought us back from 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 the abyss, and he did such yeah. a brilliant job. Yeah, Ian, your abiding memory of Coops? My abiding memory of Terry Cooper is being in a Chinese restaurant and getting and getting locked in the toilet. <laughs> so, um, well, was he a, was a, who was who got locked in the toilet? I did. Um, it was uh, on, on my own. It wasn't that kind of story. Um, I was uh, there was a, a Chinese restaurant on the Congresbury Road years ago, and it used to be a garage. And um, I went out there one night, and Terry was in there with his wife Rose, and um, sat down. I was having a meal uh, with my ex-wife, ex-mother-in-law, and um, I went out to pay a visit. And I shut the door of the toilet, and then I tried to open it, but I couldn't. And then I thought, oh, it's not a problem. I'll just stick my hand over the top of the door frame. But the door frame went straight into um, a, a built structure, so there was no gap over the top to pull the door open. So I thought, I'll put my hand underneath. But you couldn't do that either because it was flush with the floor. <laughs> So I thought, well, this is getting ridiculous. So what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to climb out the window. So then, so I climbed on the toilet seat. So I felt like, you know, when uh, Michael Corleone in The Godfather goes in that uh, thing and he's yeah, filling up, yeah, yeah. Fill, filling yeah. behind the WC to get the gun. I felt like that. And I stood on the toilet seat. <laughs> I stood on the toilet seat and I put my hand up and I thought, oh, no, Jesus. The windows had bars on them because it used to be a garage and that used to be the storeroom. So they obviously had the bars put in to stop anybody breaking in and nicking all the spare parts. I thought, oh, God, I can't believe this is happening. So with a lot of kicking and banging and shouting and whatever, um, all of a sudden this this old boy comes out, real posh old chap. He said, I, I, excuse me, are you, are you, are you stuck? I said, well, I'm playing the bloody drums, mate. Am I just, can you just put your, can you just put your shoulder into the door and try and get me out of here, please? And this old boy, he runs at the door, shoulder charges it, comes through the door, hits me over, and we both finish up, sat on the toilet. And that was the story when Terry Cooper came in. No, Terry Cooper didn't come in, but in the restaurant position. owner did. And that was the story that he came Terry. up with. Great one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, but the restaurant owner came in. So that in was it. But Terry, just happened, Terry, Terry just happened to be in the restaurant. That's the, Terry, that's the abiding well, when, memory when of When I come out, well, of course, the, the, bloke, the, chi- the Chinese guy came in and wondered what all the shouting and bawling and the commotion was about. And there's me sat on this toilet with the seat down. This, <laughs> this bloke almost sat on top of me and, and he came out. I gave him some for not being able to open that door. I just got totally stuck into yeah, it for, anyway, for about 10 that's, minutes. That's anyway, your, that's, that's your abiding, but your, no, your, your circumstantial. But uh, I remember yeah. Terry Cooper, when he was about 40, coming on for the last 10, 15 minutes of games and completely and utterly changing the game, setting up goals. I remember he used to play like extra left winger Classic. and cross balls. And I remember players like Alan Crawford heading them in at the far post because they were such inch-perfect crosses. That's it. And and that would be my abiding memory. And obviously, yeah. Wembley, Bolton, Freight Rover, all that kind of, all that good stuff. But, uh, no, I liked his teams. I liked his football because it was good most often, often not played with wingers. And even though we weren't great, it was entertaining. And like Mark said, he brought us back from a very, very dark place. 
He did. He did no, well, my, 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 my memory of him is there's twofold. Well, there's several because that was in the days when I was doing this stuff on GWR, traveling with a team. But I also played in a charity football match uh, once down at Western Supermare for the Radio West, as it was in those days. And we had Terry Cooper and Clive Middlemass playing. And I can't play football very well. I'm not that, uh, you know, I've never been able to put it into action down in my feet. But that particular game, I scored two goals and Cooper put in both crosses right on my feet. And I can remember one occasion running down the left wing and I said, over here, Terry, and ping, the ball was right was right there. That was amazing. And then, you know, obviously being with the team back in 86 and Jonathan Pierce, we travelled with the team to Wembley, Terry Cooper crying as a result of City uh, winning their first major uh, trophy. Happy days. Less so with that last game that Terry was in charge. Of. It was an away match at Southend. And uh, he said on the coach, because I sat a couple of rows behind, but used to talk on the way back from games, he said, they're not doing it for me anymore. And sure enough, Joe Jordan, um, who Terry had signed about uh, a year previously, um, he took over. And that brings us on to the uh, the next player manager. I don't remember Joe, uh, Dave, playing that much as player manager, but I did look back through the statistics. In his second season in charge, which was the season with the uh, League Cup semi-final, he had two appearances and seven sub-appearances. But any memories of Jordan as player manager? I, I can't remember whether it was as player manager or as as player, but kind of two two memories for me. Um, both of these will be a damn sight quicker than Ian's memory of, of, of Terry Cooper. For, first one was um, probably one of my favourite ever goals at Ashton Gate, which was a Rob Newman forty yarder against uh, Newport County, where someone laid a ball out of defence and Jordan just did this majestic chest pass off to Newman, who smacked it home for about 40 yards. And the other one was a, a game against Sunderland at Ashton Gate, where there was a huge roar while we were still queuing to get into the into the Dolmont. It was packed that night. Um, and only to come in to find out that it was Sunderland who'd scored early on. In fact, it was Gary Hours who got, who got the goal. Yeah. But Jordan played up front that night. And it, it for me, it was the one of the best performances I've seen of a kind of striker at that level with his kind of back towards goal. It just, mm. his centre half never got anywhere near him all night or, you know, or certainly not in terms of trying to get the ball off of him. It was just a brilliant display. Everything from head down just stuck and he laid it off and you thought, God, you can see why he played at the top level. And uh, yeah, no, he's a lovely player and, and, a, and a nice bloke too. Yeah, no, he is. He is. Um, Mark, any uh, uh, thoughts on uh, on Joe? And we're talking about as player manager because I can't think of any we talk about his managership on another day. But as player manager, I I, I can't think of anything in particular. He did guide us to the uh, yeah he did guide he, us he, to the Littlewoods Cup uh, semi final. Yeah, he also I think we also had to win a, like our last four games of the eighty seven eighty eight season after uh, after Terry was uh, was sacked um, after that South End game. Um, and we got into the we got into this we got we into did. the semi final. Of course, we yeah, did. We got yes. into the final. Yeah, we got into the final. We 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 uh, we got into the final of the playoffs where we we just missed out the the previous season, haven't we? Against uh, against Swindon in that uh, in that horrible game what where we're going now and missed a penalty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we ended up. So he dragged us. He dragged us uh, into that uh, into that game, and I just started going out with my now wife around that time and I took her to eight consecutive city games and we won them all yeah. including the second leg against Walsall we didn't That's go right. the first leg because we That's had our right. first holiday David, in Africa David Kelly it's, they beaten us 3-1 at Ashton Gate we went up there yeah so we won 2-0 we won won and then lost the bloody penalty shootout for the right yeah. to third game which that was back in the back. down after yeah. uh, 17 minutes yeah, but we missed that game because Angela was doing. She was in Radio Lollipop then. She was doing some telephone, so we didn't make the uh, the the, uh, the the third game, which we lost. But uh, yeah, yeah, and the spell the spell was broken, and I think she went to one more game after that, the Littlewoods Cup semi final, and she hadn't been since. Yeah, so there and you go. There you go. And Ian, thoughts of Joe as a player, if you can think of anything, or his time as player manager. Let's put it like that. Stuck in the he is thinking. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to think of another toilet joke. Are you still there, Ian? Yeah, sorry. I, um, no, no, I apologise. No. Oh. Apologise for that. I was on mute. Um, you were on mute. 
Yeah, the um, uh, the one I remember is Walsh's debut, and I think when Walsh scored a hat trick, and it was against, it may have been against Doncaster. Yeah, I think it was, and Joe, that was Joe Jordan's first game for the City. Five uh, February eighty-seven. Yeah. February eighty-seven. I remember that's that. It. That's it. Yeah, Five and bills. and that's that's my abiding memory as a player. But with Joe, you have to remember the teams he played for. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the guy was... A, was it Inter or AC Milan? AC. AC, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then Manchester United and Leeds. So he was absolutely no mug. And it was a little bit like when the first time I saw Norman Hunter, you, you don't realise when they're playing for top, top teams, as Leeds were at the time, you don't realise how good the, what you might call non-star players were. Now, I mean, everybody knew about Hunter's tackling, but I remember him whacking him free kicks from 25 yards for City. And obviously at Leeds, you didn't get on free kicks because they had Giles, Eddie Gray, Peter Lorimer and players like that. So I I thought um, it was a a realisation of, wow, and this is a bloke that when he came to us was was on his way down um, and he wasn't at his best. But he was head and shoulders above um, anything we had on the field because I was quite friendly with um, David Moyes um, then. And I remember um, people, you know, like when he would talk about players and another player he spoke about from that. Um, no, it wasn't him that spoke about uh, Stuart Pierce. It was Steve McLaren when he played for us, talking about what it was like being on the same field as Stuart Pierce and seeing the runs he made. Um, and, and you don't realise how good these guys are until you actually see them in the flesh. I think that would be my your my memory of him. But, I'm just looking but, at but that. Uh, did a good job for us as a manager. He did. I'm just looking at that uh, team that day. They played uh, Doncaster five nil as a Walsh hat trick, as you rightly say. And you run through that team: Waffing goal, Newman, Brian Williams. That was the ex Swindon uh, Town player, mm-hmm. if I recall. And Rovers. David Mo- and Rovers. David, yeah. and Rovers. And Rovers, David yeah. Moyes. David Moyes. John McPhail. Yeah. Oh, Keith Curl. Curl. One yeah. season with us, wasn't it? Yeah, one season. Yeah, John McPhail right. went back Keith up to Sunderland. And then uh, Gordon Owen, who missed that penalty against Swindon, as you rightly pointed out at the end of that season, because he took the penalty because Brian Williams had been substituted in that game, if uh, not if my memory serves me correctly, but I knew there was a reason why Owen took the penalty. Anybody remember Paul Fitzpatrick, the tall, ginger-haired, yeah. lanky lad? Yeah, we got him, we got him from Carlisle, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, no, we got him from Bolton. We got him from Bolton, sorry. And then Trevor Morgan was... No, was that Trevor Morgan, 86, 87, up front still? Yeah, it will be. Yeah, 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 two two spells. And then Walsh, and then Jordan wore the number 11 shirt. Now, the Tanner that's on the bench there, that wouldn't be... Mickey. Mickey Tanner. Yeah, not Tanner from Longwell Green. Not Longwell Green, Lawrence Weston. Yeah. Mickey was Is a Lawrence right? Weston boy. That's yeah. Shirehampton guy, yeah. Played against him. That's right. Well. But uh, anyway, moving on, that's given us that's done that's done two of the managers. That's done two of the two of the player managers. I mean, the next one, correct me if I'm wrong, was Russell Osman. Now I can remember again, this is going back to the days <laughs> when uh, I used to do the GWR stuff, travelling with the team or Richard uh, Latham, depending. And uh, Dennis Smith got the sack and um they put three men in charge, didn't they, uh, in that intervening period, which was Osman, Shelton, and was it Azelwood, Dave? Can you remember that far back? They had a little it, three it, man. It was Azelwood, yeah. it was that period, it was, it, it was Azelwood, yeah. yeah. And did they run it to the end of the season? You're testing my memory. And then that Russell get it, or did they Marguerite. give it to him fairly quickly? I can't remember. You what? I, 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 I can't I'm, remember I'm that. Sh- no, I, I mean I can tell you I can tell you about games and I can tell you that Russell Osman I think uh, I remember certain games I think he was was he the manager when we hadn't beat beaten the Rovers for ages and we beat him one nil and Louis Donner was scored was he the no, manager that was, Jordan, that was no it was Jordan Louis Jordan was, was manager Jordan. Uh, then, okay or Jordan or it may have been no it may have been. Um, God, who took over from Jordan is his assistant. Who Lumsden. Uh, Jimmy Lumsden? Jimmy Lumsden. It's probably Jimmy Lumsden because because he went off, he went off to uh, Hearts, didn't he, Joe? Very early in the nineteen ninety one season, after after a couple of games, he sadly, he did. And his and the chairman up at Hearts at that time was anybody. Will, will 
Nicola Sturgeon? <laughs> no. The, 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 guy, the guy up there was a fellow called Wallace Mercer. Oh, oh right. And well, he was the guy... That does sound familiar, yeah. He was the guy that headhunted him to go up there just shortly afterwards, mind. Because I remember he signed a three-year contract. Yeah. And then said, they said, well, why did you go back up there? And the talk at the time was he wanted to go up there to attract attention and get the Scotland job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he said at the time, oh, I didn't feel that I was wanted at Bristol City, but they'd literally just given him a three-year contract. So I've I, I, I never really understood that. And, and to be honest, since then, he's very – he did that job, didn't last that long. And since then, I think he's been a, an assistant to Harry Redknapp a lot. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he he came back as a um, as a manager, which surprised me because I thought um, you know he'd have got one of the good jobs because his stock was very high when he left City. Surprisingly, I think to go to Hearts. Yeah, that was a big loss. But I think again, I can remember because Joe, you could have a good conversation with him occasionally, and I think he had designs on Hearts being the next step to get in the Scotland manager job, or maybe yeah. Celtic or Rangers. I don't know what 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 side he's on in terms of that divide that exists up there. But uh, I one match I remember uh, Russell Osman. He actually scored. Uh, I think it was against Southend again. Funny enough, and was booed after he scored a goal. Does anybody remember uh, that happening? He was- yeah, I, I, he, 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 I mean, he, the thing with Russell, of course, he, he was the the, the, the guy that. That um, was seen to push Jakanowski out of the club. Who was who was yeah. lauded by the fans. Although you know, in hindsight, really, he was a maverick, wasn't he, Jackie? Uh, you, you'd call him a maverick now because you know looked good in flashes, but uh, didn't contribute much to team play. And uh, they had to um, you know fill in all those holes all over the pitch. But the thing about Russell is, he I mean he he came in after Dennis Smith. The you know it was quite boring football. I mean, one of the big things he did do was sign Brian Tinian, uh, and of course he signed the likes of Stuart Munro and Mark Shale. You know the Glenn Penny fathers who were well, they all were quite, I mean, that, were quite that, soon forgotten. Yeah, I'm looking at the opening game of the '93 '94 season, which was his first season in charge. Yeah, a first yeah. full season, and we had that team then: Walsh, Munro, Scott, Hazelwood, Shale, Matty Hewlett. Mike Wyatt, remember him? Gary Shelton, Ian Baird. He's a work with Mike Wyatt. Yeah, Ian Baird did the V signs to the Ashton Gate crowd in one particular <laughs> game. Liam Robinson scored four goals one season, all of them against Peterborough with two plays. And, uh, and, and Tinian. And then on the bench that day, Kamara, that's not Chris. Did we? Was that an Abdul Kamara? And the other sub uh, yeah. used Wayne Tangle for Allison. But, uh, but there we go. But uh, So that was, and then Russell got binned off didn't he in and look at look at this 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 is this is where you got a question where the side was going in those days under Russell Osman because he got binned off at the end of uh, November I think it was or something like that and the City team was it after they lost 3-0 at home to Sheffield United here you go I mean, you can tell I got the stats book here I'm not remembering it <laughs> then in goal he had Keith Welsh Marvin Harrier oh my god remember him Glenn Humphreys, yeah. what a player he was. Mark Shale, very intelligent bloke. Matty Bryant, Jason Fowler, remember that one? Yeah, yeah, my, yeah big, big what, tall what winner. Mate, my Mike son, Wyatt, son, that is, yeah. Mike Wyatt again. David Seal, remember him, the Australian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Ian Baird, Scott Patterson, was it Scott Patterson? Yeah, and then, scouts, and then Rob, Rob Edwards. I mean. That is a bit of a mishmash of a side. Barely 18 months after that half-decent side opening the season. On the bench, Bent and Partridge. But I don't think Osman, you know, and his managerial career, he never did anything after City, really, did he? Other than keeping Rovers up one day. Then we come on to the next uh, player manager, which is um, good old Tins, uh, who... I thought we've had this conversation before, maybe it was with Tottle, but Tins, that one season that he was in charge, we f- missed out on the playoffs by three points, or was it goal difference? I can't remember. I think it was three points. And he came very close. But everybody remembers Tinian for the famous game at Swansea when we lost 7-1 and he sat there in the uh, in the dugout over the far side, a dejected figure, 
uh, at um, what's the stadium called? The Liberty Stadium. I mean, Dave, yeah. Dave Tinian's, you know, people remember him as a player, but he didn't do his managerial career is judged on that Swansea game, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's funny. It's a period where I, I was playing and I didn't go and watch hardly any games at all in that in that period. So I, I don't remember lots about it. I remember us kind of going quite close with um, Leroy Lita up front. Was that the, the under Tinian? And then it kind yeah. of fell away. Yeah, but I don't remember a lot about a lot about that. I'm afraid. Yeah. What about well, you? Ian? You must have some good memories there. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a player, um, you know, he'd probably be in any all-time Bristol City eleven. Yeah. Um, Brian Tinian. Um, I remember we picked him up, I think it was from Bradford, 180,000. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, you talk about one player's name come up, a guy called Glenn Pennyfather, and Osman, I spoke to him once, and he said, oh, I, I've brought him in because we need somebody to put a foot in. And uh, he scored one of the strangest goals I've ever seen. Uh, one of their players was trying to clear the ball upfield and he walloped it. And Pennyfather went in with his studs up and the ball hit the bottom of his foot and went in the bottom corner from 25 yards away. That's the I kind of that. force that he went in with. And it's almost, I mean, when you tell people um, Andy Llewellyn, and I saw Andy score a goal from the halfway line, um, and he, over a bloke called Fred Barber, who was a small goalkeeper, played for Warsaw. That's it. And Andy Llewellyn went in and block tackled this bloke <laughs> on the halfway line, and the bloke bottled out. And Louis went straight through, caught the ball, and it went honestly from the halfway line right over Barber's head and into the back of the net. So yeah. you, you see some you see some odd goals, and you you look back at you know we criticise the players we've got now, but. And, and to be honest, if you look at the players we've got now, they've cost, you know, that side that you've mentioned wouldn't have cost what Masengo cost us. No. Um, and no. even accounting well, for that, inflation, yeah. there's still a lot more. What about you, Mark? Any memories of uh, of Tins as the manager only, not the player, because there's many there, but uh, well, as the manager? Well, I think it, it was um, a knee-jerk reaction, his appointment to... to, to um, you know, to Wilson sacking after the Brighton game. I think, I, I don't know exactly, but I think it was a made an offer. He was either sacked or made an offer he could could refuse. And then the day after, a couple of days after, Tinian was appointed, really, with no real qualification other than being a uh, being a player who'd been with the squad, squad for a few years. But, yeah, he did run us very close in 2004 or five. Uh, that saw the emergence yeah. of Leroy Lita as a as a, as a yeah, force. It was just one. It was just one one point he missed out. I on think. I think one point. he got the thing. I mean, what I remember at the end of that season, I think Lita was banned it, retrospectively, or he got banned for for something he said as he went off the went off the field in a game. Well, Lita, I think he was Lita sent Lita off and had ex, twenty four goals ex, extended. Lita got twenty four goals in forty two appearances. Yeah, and that yeah. Was the game it was the the game that did it was a game against Doncaster. We drew two two, and it, it, you know we had players at the back then like Clayton Fortune. You know, but we did. He did bring in players like Steve Brooker, who if he hadn't had such yeah. a brittle body, a guy who, who played with his back to goal. You know, gave gave everything. And if he hadn't had such a brittle body and the injuries that he had, he could have been some player. But, you know, he brought in a magnificent seven the, the, the following season. Of course, he, he'd lost Paul Heffernan then. Lita had gone and also Paul Heffernan, who he, he, he did a good job for us in the one season he, he was with us, but then uh, toddled off to Doncaster. Uh, and so, you know, he had to fill the front line again, really. And uh, so, uh, you know, we... Then, uh, then we had we had Johnson. He start, you know, we had the likes of Marcus Stewart. I think that was a that was a, a real folly signing in because he he just wanted to see out his days and uh, well that team that Tinian started with and he was I think he didn't play a game actually from two thousand and five onwards and he was only in charge for what was it seven mm. games there but his opening team that season it was the start of. The thing coming together under Johnson because you have Phillips in goal, Louis Carey, Craig Woodman, good player, Clayton Fortune, Matty Hayward. He was rubbish. We signed him from Swindon. Cole Skews, yeah. Dave Cottrell, Marcus Stewart, Stuart, what was the Bridges? What was his name? Christian Michael, name? Michael. Michael Bridges. Bridges. Michael Luke Bridges. Wiltshire, Luke Wilkshire. And then yeah. uh, 
G Smith, Smith G, not Graham Gary. Smith. Graham. Graham Smith. Come from Swindon, didn't he? I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And then on the bench, uh, Brooker and uh, Murray. Anyway, so I think for the four player managers for uh, Bristol City that we can remember, um, Cooper and Johnson, I think you'd say they were uh, both hits in their own way. Uh, Russell Osman was a uh, uh, and Tins, you'd say he, 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 I think he did all right and he shouldn't be judged on, uh, he shouldn't be judged just on uh, the Swansea match. You've got to Look at that whole season that he had there. Let's move on to some other uh, topics. And quick one from you, Mark. You said the story about Jerry Gow and Lauren Bacall. This sounds as though it could be yeah, even yeah. more interesting than um, Ian's toilet joke so, in Congress. So this Jerry Gow, Lauren I got, I got, I got in touch with David Foote around the time we did the uh, Supporters Trust, did the um, uh, 1909 uh, replayed celebrating our centenary, the uh, City Man United clash. So I got uh-huh. chatting to David Foote, who was going to write a, a sort of a forward to it the day before we played. And he told me about a, uh, a story written previously, and it was he was interviewing Lauren Bacall in Bristol, I think, uh, took us to some nice restaurant, rode in the back of her Bentley in the uh, chauffeur-driven Bentley. So they get there and she's regaling him about all the problems that, you know, that she's had with these interviews and she's got to drive back to London this evening. He said, oh, I know, I've, I've got to go and interview Jerry Gow after this. And I think he looked at her and, uh, you know, <laughs> thinking, what the hell is he talking about? Yes. <laughs> well, I mentioned, if, hasn't he heard, hasn't yeah. she heard of the tousle-haired Scott and, and, you know, going about and what a hard man and what a fantastic player he was in those parts, but... Yeah, you'll never hear those, you'll never hear those two mentioned uh, mentioned again. But yeah, well, I'll have to send David you the link. Foot, it's fantastic. Who, Lauren, sadly, Lauren, David sadly Foot. Is no longer with us now, is he? David, has he gone to that great big editorial so. room in the sky? He used to work for the Western Daily Press as well, didn't he? He was a cricket uh, reporter as well. But yeah, evergreen reporter and yeah. what a lovely story. Yeah. Well, sadly, we lost uh, Ray Clements uh, at the weekend, which prompted that oft-had debate in the uh, 70s and 80s. Who was the better out of Clements and Schiltz? And at least then we had two very good goalkeepers, unlike uh, unlike um, what we have at the moment. In fact, somebody sent me a very good uh, uh, WhatsApp the, earlier uh, this week, and is a picture of... Um, tough question and there's a picture of uh, Jordan Pickford and Katie Price and the caption underneath tough question which Jordan has let more in Um, guys um... (laughs) (laughs) Ian Clements or Schiltz if you had to put one who would it be out of those two I think if you wanted somebody that was probably more consistent i mean someone you'd have got eight or nine out of every game it would have been uh ray clements mm. but i think peter shilton was the better guy to f- take one out the top corner um and I, i've always i've got a i don't like hearing his name mentioned because um uh, let's just say our political views differ somewhat and the other thing is that i remember him being not responsible, but being involved in the collision that ended Paul Cheesley's career. Of course he did. Um, and he also was, uh, he let the ball go under his body in that game at Wembley, 1973. I was uh, there when uh, the Poland game, you got it, when uh, I think it was Norman lost the ball in front of the dugouts over that side. The ball, did, yeah. Did, and Shilton went down and it went under him. Yeah, and that was the night when uh, Tomaszewski played that man of the match performance, the, having the clown. described as a clown by uh, Brian Clough. Clough. What about yeah. you? What about you, uh, Dave? If you had to pick a two, I know you're like a younger man, but you can probably remember those when you were. Yeah, no, I can't remember, remember them well. So you know, probably. If you had to pick one, if you had to pick one, my my first game was City against Liverpool, Ashton Gate, when Joe Royal scored, um, and but I, you know, I thought. I've always been a kind of part-time Liverpool fan as well. So I, I, I always like Ray Clements. I'd say if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Shilton in his, mm. in his pomp over them. And then I'd sub on Clements for the penalty shooter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't knock it away from Clements. Only three European Cups and what was it? Run the league three times, so he had the he's got the medals to show it. Um, and Mark, you, if you had to make a choice of those two, 
I think yeah, I, I I go for Shilton and and, and like Ian, no, I, I find his political views abhorrent as well. But that they that they go, that's life. But he was a class goalkeeper, and remember, he played. I think he played his best. He, he played his best football at the end of his career. And Clough signed him for Forest from yeah. Stoke in uh, in nineteen seventy eight. And he, you know, always said sing- he think he single handedly won the uh, the championship for Forest. Yeah. Uh, sorry, in that 77, 78 and season. Two European Cups. But, but and two, and two European, European Cups. Cups. Yeah. yeah. He, he, did he, well. he did well. Yeah, he did well. But Clem, I think Clements, Clem, yeah, Clements got his Clements got his turn for England. I think on the back of that Poland game, he got a, 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 an, an extended run. I think it only it was only what you know in, in the early eighties that Shilton came back, and then he was in his thirties. So to, to to come back into the international fold. And play regularly in your in your theatres. I think it was fantastic for his yeah. legacy, and he, he he did very well. Yeah, used to play yeah. in alternate games, didn't they? That's right. He used Ron, to do Ron, yeah. Ron Greenwood the won the rotation. Did that. Yeah, the ultimate rotation. Um, Ian, you wanted to bring this up about refund of season tickets. Uh, perhaps you'd like to uh, enlighten us what your thoughts are on that. I mean, I haven't paid anything. I'm sat there with I think it's about a four hundred pound credit on my account because they haven't. Asked well, we didn't. We're asked to pay our corporate ticket. So, um, but we'll refund the season tickets. Do you think it's being handled fairly, or what? What? What was your? Yeah, I think your... in fairness, I think the club have done well. And what they've announced today is that with Christmas coming up, they're refunding all the home games before the end of November. So let's say that your season ticket that you bought worked out twenty quid a game. Mm-hmm. If there's was it five home games before Christmas? Yeah. Uh, you're you're going to get hundred quid um, back in November, which which I think is they didn't need to do it. That's a good um, gesture. And so I think I think it's a, it's a it's a good gesture. So hopefully you get your everybody gets um, gets their money back, and and then you and in fairness, you they're not giving you credits as lots of people suggested. They're giving you cash. So if yeah. you decide that you're not going to spend that cash, or you're going to spend it on something else then you're quite a liberty to do so. I mean, the way I look at it, if you get 20 quid back, um, if a game's not on Sky and it's not on the red button, and that's not many, um, then you can you can watch them, uh, pay the tenor and watch them on Robbins TV. Yeah. So I, I think that's something good, uh, something good that they've done. Well, well done. Well done then for that. And the other point you uh, raised, Ian, was uh, Mark Kelly... Has talked about crowds coming back and an eight thousand limit. Is it is it you or Dave who read that? Or no, was, that was, was that you? was that was me as well. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see because what's going to happen is the government won't announce a third lockdown, but <laughs> in name only. What they I think they're going to do is they're going to say um, limited capacity games from. Um, the uh, from from January onwards, mm. and Mark Kelly mentioned that they've got everything worked out so eight thousand home fans can go to the game, and I think that'll be um, that'll be good, and, and it, it goes from what we're doing now, which is better than nothing, to doing yeah. that, which will be almost sort of what you could call fifty percent. It'd be Back like going to, to a. It would be like going to an FA Cup third round tie against Southend or something like that. Yeah, you you got it. I mean, it, it's it's not everything to everybody. There's no away fans there. Um, but I think even having eight thousand fans in the city ground will make a decent amount of noise. Yeah, and it will be something for the players to feed off because yeah. although they've got used to this, you know, we all know it can't go on forever. But I think after this lockdown. This second lockdown, they'll put a load of places into a tougher form of tier three. In other words, they'll continue the lockdown, more or less. Um, and then that way they'll go on. But if, if the R number's in the right area, say it's 0.5 or 0.3 or something like that, then we'll see limited crowds go back from January, which it, I mean, this is just my opinion. I am, yeah. Um, I've obviously conversed with people on it, but I haven't spoken yeah. to anybody who could make that decision but that's just how we see it uh, have you have you read yeah provided we get the, the, we get the numbers down 
Yeah. Dave, have you sort of read anything? I mean, I read something yesterday that didn't sound at all encouraging where it was saying that, you know, you yeah, crowds would be open, but you couldn't even sit in your bubble. So you'd have to sit, leave the chairs around you. But I mean, have you, have you read anything more on, on, on this, uh, Dave, than Ian might have done? I haven't. I know Mark Kelly was on Jeff Twentyman's show last week, and I, I haven't listened to it yet. It's one of the things, because I, I wanted to find out what he said about this, but I did read something a couple of months ago where they he basically said they're kind of 8,000 figure and they were set up for it and that basically you should let the safety advisory group help dictate whether you're fit to do it or not rather than yeah. the government. And, and I don't know whether he was repeating the same the, the other night. And, and I think... Yeah, it might it might take two or three games to ramp up to that. But if you started off with you know two thousand and went four thousand and eight thousand, I think you know you start to show that you can cope with it. And I don't think anyone's showing any trust to football clubs to be able to manage this, and and with the safety advisory group as well. You know, personally, I think there's there's bigger problems out there. But the inconsistency that's been shown to football over things like the arts, you know, where they had 5,000 at the Albert Hall last month, you know, I think that's wrong. It's either no one should do it or you let your authorities and and your clubs and your safety people advise on what the, what the best is. And and that's, that's, that's my stance. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what does happen because this business about, well, you have five days off at Christmas because it's going to be tough lockdown beforehand and tough after, you know, and if you look at rates of infection in Bristol, maybe it's come down a bit, but it's more than it was in Liverpool when that was on the verge of going into lockdown two or three, uh, two or three weeks ago. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, missing it. Uh, You know, you look at some of the action with crowds in there and, you know, you do miss it. And yes, I'll be back there. I can't see me wanting to go. I'm not going to go and watch a game from the hospitality lounge when it's going on out on the field. It's in there to see it live or not at all. Um, The other point that I uh, saw uh, this week, and we won't dwell on it because we're just coming up, but it was an interesting one. Uh, Gatepost magazine. Yeah, and somebody put on one team in Bristol because uh, it didn't have the internet like it is then. And uh, this was uh, John Laycock, who was chairman at the time. Uh, one of the questions he was asked, how would you describe your working relationship with Danny Wilson? It was very good. We see each other socially as well as working together and get on extremely well. Danny has settled in very quickly, created an excellent spirit at the club. Anything to do with football affects the players and the team is very much his territory while I look at the structure of the club and the long-term planning. He's got to be a manager that we spend a bit of time talking about at some time in the future, Danny Wilson, because he had three years of growth, didn't he, Mark? If you remember that, yeah. And, you know, Danny Wilson, should he have been given one more year? Just throwing that in. I, I don't. I don't see why not. I think the problem with Danny was there was a there was an underlying drinking culture at the club that they never yeah. got hold of, yeah. and and really, the, the the talent they had. I remember Steve Lanzan always said that the team of two thousand and two three that failed in the in the playoff semi final against Cardiff yeah. was the one that should have got promoted, not the one yeah. the following season. But I mean, you've only got to read Christian Roberts autobiography which is quite cathartic really it's, it's a real painful read you know the, the extracts and it wasn't just him you know he, he's the one that he only called out for help when he went to Swindon uh, yeah. with, with his alcoholism but there were plenty of players there who were peeing it up against the wall you've only got to look at Lee Peacock with uh, his, his, his ex- excursion to a golf club walking home on a Friday night and falling in a in a trough or something it's a I went to Brighton when we won 4-1 uh, and he was left out of the team because he had some minor injury. But you knew, you knew. Uh, a Celebrity City fan, who I shout name, used to see him on Friday nights in a pub. I think it was the Old England in Montpellier, mm-hmm. and said that he'd come in and he'd be on absinthe cocktails then, which was a bit of a worry, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> uh, I think the, yeah. the Sean Goater in his autobiography says about Peacock. Of course, he, he joins. He joined Man City, uh, the GOAT, when Peacock was there. They signed him for Mansfield. He was only there a brief time, and we signed him yeah. from, from Man City. And his first words were, what, what night do the lads go out? 
Yeah. No, so, those, yeah, are days. those are the days. The other interesting thing that uh, came out of Gate Post. I mean, Dave, you'll know the answer to this. Do you buy replica kit for your uh, for your kids at all? No, not Joe. Joe, get, Joe get how much? How much, do, how much does a first team shirt cost now? I can tell you that quid, exactly. Go on. I can, I can, I can tell you that exactly because I because it's a special shirt with the Ashton Gate Eight on the rest of it. I bought one for my grandson. And the smallest youth one available with his name and number on the back set me back sixty pounds. All right, so that's with the name and the number, and it's a bit of a special shirt. Yeah, but you get Naki Wells, uh, Matt's Day sweat. Obviously, is uh, you know yeah. in, in the fabric as well. well the so, interesting thing yeah, in this edition out. of this interesting thing in this edition of Gateposts was that the price of a shirt in two thousand, that's twenty years ago, was mm-hmm. thirty nine ninety nine. That was for a bog standard adult shirt. So we talk about inflation. That's something that's not um, um, not gone up as much as you might think it has. Guys, I'm, I guess we'll uh, be back to do one uh, after the Derby game if it uh, goes ahead. The uh, I'll say that at the beginning, the title of this uh, episode was uh, Cook, Eat, Repeat. And uh, I've just had a sign to say that my sticky toffee pudding is uh, ready. So I'm going <laughs> to settle down and watch... Uh, Master sounds chef. like uh, sounds like sounds like a euph- euphemism to me. Good luck. <laughs> Sticky topping pudding with ice cream. Yeah. So I've no, had I'm I'll tell yeah, you what. Uh, course David, is, Dave. I'll get one spot. David, I thought you were going to say it, but my spotted dick's on the table because I won't say that. I will not say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Guys, it's a pleasure. It's we haven't had the uh, we haven't had the live audience so. Uh, but uh, we were, we certainly won't uh, we won't edit out uh, Ian's story about the uh, Chinese restaurant in Kongsbury. I think I know that place. Years ago, years ago, I went there. Yeah, I used to take it opposite there, and yeah. it was. Well, that's not Kongsbury. It's Cleve, isn't it? Cleve, Is it, isn't it? Yeah, Cleve. Cleve. That's right. Yes, yes, yeah. But I think there's yeah there's there's a Greek restaurant now beyond the. Uh, on the corner in Kongsbury, just beyond there on the left. But there we go. Right, this is it. We've done we've done our time. Thanks as always for your contribution, Ian, uh, Mark, and Dave. And let's hope we get three points on the Saturday to send us on our way. It'd be good for me to get uh, one over on my old uh, Radio Rest West uh, pal, Mike Stewart, who is the Derby County fan. And uh, Dave, a friend of mine who's a Brentford fan, he's promised to come on one of our chats to say why Brentford are so good. Although then. It's the 90th minute, all your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.